Recording in progress. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 53. Here we go. Let's jump straight into it. Tommy's on the other end of the line. I'm going to jump straight into this discussion topic um, by asking you and the listener, what is your favorite football food? When you go to the football, what do you like to eat? What do you want to buy? What do you expect for the money you pay? Yes, dear single listener, what do you think? I, I mean, there's limited options at Adelaide United. Let's be real. If it's not a Balfour's sausage roll or a supposed Barossa gourmet dog, what are you really buying there? I'm more of a more of a Nordberger before the game kind of guy. That's what I want. But if we're in stadium, yeah, a sausage roll. I think sausage roll and sauce. Try and keep it. Try and keep it casual. Yeah, love that. If you're listening, Nordberger sponsor us. Um, oh we'll, yeah, give us free meals, and then we'll we'll fuck the Balfour's sausage roll off. No, no, they're always cold. It's not Balfour's fault. Balfour's actually make good. I like their food, but it's uh, it's always cold in the middle at High Marsh. So avoid that. You can get a piece of fish with chips, which is not bad. But if you prefer, you could travel to Old Trafford and get a scrambled egg and potato. I'm assuming everyone listening has seen this doing the rounds on social media. Someone posted their tweet online of... Uh, the absolute fast that they were eating at Old Trafford. I've got a lot of questions here, but what's worse, the food or going and buying scrambled egg and potato at the football? Yeah, what point in your day are you th- – like, what time was the game? Was it lunchtime kickoff? Uh, it was mid-afternoon. 11, 11 p.m. our time, so, like, yeah, one one thirty, I think. one thirty. One thirty. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can think of is a man missed breakfast and he's just trying to get a couple in before he needs some some carbs maybe. Yeah. Whatever that whatever that wagon wheel of potato is. Do you think oh, it's shaped it's... like that to go on the bun? <laughs> I don't know if that's the potato, is it? Or is that a I, I honestly don't know. I have so many I questions. That's the potato in the middle and the, the scrambles. Oh dude, look, I think if you Why go is it to all the, the same color? If you go to the football and you order order something like that, you get what you deserve. <laughs> I think. Like when you look at it, it's the gro- it's the grossest thing I've seen in a photo for a long time, and I've seen some shit. I tell you, I have seen some shit, but that is that is disgusting. You got anything else to add to that? Yeah, I was just thinking. Football. I was just thinking. We've all googled blue waffle in the day, but this this is up there. It's just so. Where's the sauce? Like, are you not even? Where's four, the lamb sauce? Four pound fifty you paid for that. My God. Um, Incidentally, though, Sam, scrambled egg and mashed potato are also the centre-back pairing for Man United versus Southampton. So I guess it all ties in. It would appear that scrambled egg and mashed potato is the centre-back pairing for Man United. They had another draw at home at Old Trafford to Southampton this time. Um, They were improved, to be honest. I thought they played decent. This was actually a really entertaining game of football for a neutral. Both teams, uh, Southampton play this style that's really... um, they try to go out and attack and score goals and stuff. They won't sit on the break. They do leave themselves vulnerable, and I can see why they've lost 9-0 a handful of times when they're having a bad day. But when they're having a good day, they're good to watch, and they gave old mate Scrambled Egg Maguire and Mashed Potato Varane a bit of trouble at the back. They were great value for this point, and they've been good value for, uh, you know, they did this earlier in the season, didn't they? I think it's the second time they've taken points off other sides in the top six. It's no surprise that Southampton are competitive against the big sides because I think their their manager, uh, Hussein Huttel, he is a big manager, big game kind of guy. 
And there's always a different kind of energy flowing through the Southampton players when they play um, a top six side compared to when they play sides around them, for instance. Yeah. Uh, they do this thing. I noticed they they do it a lot this year. It's a Ralph. It's a Hassan Hoodle. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call him Hassan Hoodle. That'll oh. do. Hassan Hoodle sounds like a like a linen <laughs> store or something, like a, a homeware store, like a Harris scarf. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like the Danish rival to IKEA. Yeah, some shit like that. But they do this thing where you watch them defensively, and it's a pretty standard four four two four four two four four two. <laughs> The emphasis on the toy. <laughs> four four two defending. Um, when they go forward, you watch like the Elianusi and Armstrong are the wingers in that four four two, and you see them get really really narrow when they attack a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and the fullbacks bombing on. Um, Armstrong often finding himself getting on the ball in these really dangerous positions in and around the penalty area or in the pockets of space that you'd expect to ten p ten to be in. Likewise, Elianusi, um, and uh, they just seem to, I don't know if they highlighted that within Man United to attack their weak centre-backs, but uh, they do it more often than that for it to be strictly that. But yeah, it's just a, an interesting tactic. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Paul Scholes um, drew attention to this in his post-match um, comments on this, and he really chastised the Man United wide men for not tracking back. And it's totally evident in this game, like you said, with the fullbacks running on and the wide players tucking inside, overload those, you know, it's a weak Man United midfield as well. Let's be real. McTominay and Pogba, they're not the greatest partnership. One and two, they don't really cohesively fit as a unit. And so you are getting a lot of opportunity to run directly at the defenders. And there are just so many occasions now where Harry Maguire looks like a pub footballer. (laughs) There was that one instance, um, I can't remember the, the Southampton player, but he attacked in from the left-hand side and no idea where he was. He almost gave away a penalty, actually. Yeah, he, di- he nearly did. We lost you there for a second, so I'm not sure what you said. Oh, but I know, the, I know the moment you're talking about where he wrong-footed Maguire and it looked like he was tried to tackle him backwards and he looked a mm. bit like, a, like he was doing a dance move for a bit. And then yeah, he came like, just like barreling, into the, barreling into the box. I don't think it was a penalty, but he, he's just really clumsy. Um, I had a note just on Pogba as well because you mentioned him before, but I I enjoyed watching Pogba in, at stages in this game. Mm-hmm. He's one of those play like when you watch him play for France, how much are you just blown away by this guy's energy and his quality? We don't see it enough for Man United. I think everyone so knows that, and Man United fans would be the most frustrated with that. But then he had like on the weekend. I don't think he was amazing on the weekend, but he had patches where you could see his energy and some of the balls he played. He was excellent. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed that and I, I wish we could see it more from him, even if he's playing for Man United. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I thought his goal against Burnley in the previous game was really well taken and it, it was hit by a man that knows how to, you know, tuck away a finish. I always think back to Pogba's form at Juventus where he did play in a deep lying role, but you just saw the absolute magnitude of his uh, vision and his ability to play short balls, long balls. He's a talent, exactly right, but for some reason, it just doesn't work in Manchester. Yeah, it's not working. I had a few Man United mates just pointed out that just the old uh, Pogba and a new coach thing, little fresh burst, but it'll it'll fizzle out and go back to nothing until it gets to contract time, and then we'll see what he does to try and get him and his agent the the millions. 
<laughs> the biggest move possible. Yeah, uh, we might move on. We didn't. We are. We're not going to go through every game over the weekend, but the ones we cast our eyes over. Uh, next is uh, your boys uh, away to Everton. This was oh boy oh boy. I had this game on and it was over pretty quickly. Um, Everton smashing leads. What did you make of this from both sides? Uh, that's difficult to like pick yourself back up from. Um, you know, after coming from two down against Villa during the week to draw 3-3, you're going into this game, an Everton side that hasn't won in 2022, they hadn't won since September or something. And you're thinking, well, we could pick up four points with teams around us and look really strong and stable again. But this is the absolute crux of Legion United this season is the inconsistency and the ability to show up and put in assured performances uh, game after game or even in like a five-game stretch. They just have been able to do it all season. Yeah, we'll get to Newcastle a bit later, but it looks at the moment with their form that Leeds are now the one lacking form amongst those bottom sides, along with your Norwich, Watford, Burnley. So, you know, that they're definitely in that. They're, dra- oh, they're, dra- they're a lot closer to that drop zone than I thought they ever would be this season. Um, but Everton... Good timing. I think we both predicted that they their squad is probably good enough to turn turn around, do whatever they need to do to make sure they survive. Uh, but if they play like that, they'll probably be looking to finish much higher than they they had anticipated. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Everton. We've talked about Leeds woes this season with injuries, but Everton had you know maybe seven, six or seven genuine first teamers out of this as well. Welcoming back uh, Dom Cavett Lewin, who looks like he's starting to find his step again. Um, but also, you know, the introduction of Van der Beek, John J. Kenny, um, the, you know, Alex Awobi's first game under Lampard as well. He had a really good game. There's definitely life in this team. And I def- I'm coming around to your, uh, your assessment of them having the quality to get out of this, especially when they play like that. If they can do that on more than one occasion, it's the flip side because like Leeds, they went to Newcastle in the previous game and got absolutely trounced. They were nowhere near it. So... I don't know. Maybe Lampard has it over Bielsa. <laughs> Maybe. We'll have to wait years to find that out, I think. I'm still a skeptic on Frank. Uh, he needs, can't be judged yet, obviously. Um, overall, I, th- I mean that in his entire coaching career. It's probably too early to judge him. His teams have often shown a defensive frailty that's not great and wouldn't instill you with confidence if you were fighting relegation, but... I think Everton's squad's going to be good enough to get around to that, and they've got enough quality there. They've done the right things in going out and picking up unwanted goods, it looks like, in Donny van der Beek. Um, yeah. I think every game. Premier League fan is was hoping that he would end up getting some minutes somewhere and we'd start to see what this guy can do. Yeah, and he did that. He lit it up, and maybe Lampard, he tinkered with the formation previously. He was playing a 3-4-3, and then he went to a more you know convenient 4-3-1 or 4-3-3 when they were moving forward. And it kind of, it really suits Van der Beek more, I think, than if you were playing with a flat four through the center or it's hard to say, but yeah, he's definitely going to be an asset for this side. And Deli Alley as well. He come on and whipped in a cracking ball for um, Rondon right at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, yeah, they just did what they needed to do. Leeds going to have to lift. Um, you got something else to say, to add to that? Well, I was just, you know, there was, fine moments in the game with Rodrigo hitting 
uh, the bar twice, that cracking half volley at 1-0 and then right on the cusp of halftime at 2-0, you know, stuff like that can draw you back into the game. Um, but it just, can, it just yeah. didn't quite fall. That, I just think quite the, fall. Not that they um, deserved anything. The issues in that squad are pretty far and wide, the lead squad. Like the disparity between like you look at your right-hand side and there's you've got a player like Rafinha there. Mm-hmm. And he's playing on the same side as a, a pub league footballer in Luke hey. Ailing. That's maybe a bit harsh on Luke Ailing, but you know, he is probably one of those unfortunately he's just one of those um high he's a high achieving championship slash championship slash mm-hmm. league one footballer that Bielsa was able to turn around. And there's only so long that can last if you don't have the quality. Um no, the guy true. has the work rate and the effort, but he's one of a bunch of players in this squad that frankly just don't look up to it we'll move on and talk about uh another relegation rival stringing some games together now with old mate kieran trippier there banging in the free kicks the tuna up and about here they come uh what year are they going to win the premier league uh it's a great question probably what would you give it five years how long is the project uh, next year think? fuck it next you year next year no nah, i don't um that would be wild I'm taking the piss. I don't, I don't know if they ever win one. We'll see. They could. I mean, I think we're seeing a third straight victory. Doesn't this show you that money truly does buy, like it, buy success? It gets you out of trouble. Money will fix everything. 100% it does. Um, they've also turned it around um, on the park, though. With They haven't brought in a heap of new excellent players, but Trippier looks like he's definitely making a difference. Not just saying that because of the goals he scores, but he clearly... Um, Brings in a lot of experience and leadership to that side that was much needed as well. Yeah, well, they gave him the armband for this game, so you know, a month there, he's already assumed his his role as captain amongst the amongst the players. And it, it, I mean, I guess it works. He looks like he represents Eddie Howe's philosophy of football just to an absolute T. Just tenacious, hardworking, organized. You know, they try and play clever. They're they're looking better and better every single game. And you can't, I don't know, I can't begrudge them, I suppose, but. It's still, it's kind of a sour taste. Don't but you, you want to. Yeah, it just, uh, I don't know. It kind of relates to, you know, Chelsea winning the, the Club World Cup this week. And that means I was seeing a lot of posts about Chelsea having, um, having completed football because they have every trophy now in the last 13 years that is attainable <laughs> to you. And I thought, yeah, but at what cost? Like, at what, what did we lose in Chelsea's scavenger hunt for every trophy in modern football? I think we lost its soul, Sam. Football lost its soul. <laughs> Football lost its soul. Hey, we don't need to go deep into the depths of what money has done to football. That's a, a conversation for, I think, just me and you because I know how much we love rambling about that. I'm not sure our, our handful of listeners give a fuck about that. Um, I also I should note, I did see lots of... We're not going to talk about the Chelsea games and the Club World Cup because I don't think anyone cares. And I include a lot of Chelsea fans in that who I did see posting that they couldn't really give two stuff. So all it means is they come back now with a more crowded schedule. You know, they've got a postponed game they have to catch up on. They've got European football to deal with. Do they? They have European... Yeah. I'm assuming they have European football to deal with. They must do, right? I don't watch the Champions League because Arsenal suck. (laughs) (laughs) Deal with that. But yeah. Um, Good on Newcastle. Good win. Uh, We don't need to talk about Villa, do we? Not really. I just wanted to touch on Joel Linton and how he's been turned into, uh, like, people were calling him world-class 
ball midfielder. And like, well, ours is a word That's carelessly grim. thrown around. Yeah. Yes. Um, but his stats in the previous game rival like a like a good Kante game. Um, like six tackles, 12 duels won, 78% pass accuracy, just involved in seemingly everything. What This is one of the most ridiculous transformations, I think, of a footballer. Yeah, I've had a Newcastle fan uh, Newcastle fan about a month ago described him to me as that like being turned into Kante. And I thought, <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. But now he's like, he actually played like Kante on the weekend. Um, hmm. We'll see how long that can last. Like, I don't know. I, I'm a striker myself. So I'd be like, pissed if my coach decided to try and turn me into a, <laughs> a working midfielder. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank uh, you, sir. Yeah, but let's be real. It's just because you enjoy one or two beverages post-game. <laughs> What's that got to do with playing up front or playing in the midfield? If you're a working midfielder, you'd be chucking your guts up for the rest of the evening. Who says I don't? <laughs> also related to the number of beverages consumed. Spurs and Wolves. So I don't, I don't know if we want to tack on any chat about Spurs midweek. I guess a Spurs chat in general. Midweek last week, losing to Southampton at home, mm-hmm. in and they were like they were defending absolutely comically, and then on the weekend they've gone out and lost two 0 at home to Wolves, and once again defended comically. I don't know if you saw the second goal where the ball <laughs> hit the oh, yeah. defender, hit another defender, hit the goalkeeper, and bounced back out, and they, the guy scored <laughs> a tap in. But Spurs, after really turning it around with Conte coming in, now look pretty crap. They do. It's cataclysmic defending. The, it's just a comedy of, well, not even a comedy. It was just a grim tale of errors. Loris's poor back pass, Ben Davies can't get a clear. I mean, and that's not to say the marking for the first goal is not up to scratch either. Uh, three consecutive Spurs defeats now. Where, where does that leave them? Because they were looking, they were looking pretty good. They're looking pretty stable. I thought the, the, the back three was effective and they were playing fluid football, but They've gone off the boil, seemingly. Their failure to mark people from crosses was evident in the... Because the two of the goals they conceded against Southampton were the same. And then now they've conceded one against Wall, pretty similar. They're just... I don't know what's going on there. At the other end of the park, though, I just... Harry Kane looks like he's just forgot how to football this year. Yeah, and then we've got... from, And Sun is just uh, a little out of touch, I guess. And they're not finding anything. Yeah, this partnership was unbreakable for the last two, three seasons. The assist and goal ratio to one another is just out of this world. So, you know, it's uh, is it a personal falling out? Maybe not. You know, Harry Kane, is he still angling for a move? Is that what's playing on his mind? Should he be elsewhere already? You know, if he's, um, if he's mentally not there, he's obviously not going to perform. And, you know, it's probably at the point now where Son's thinking, well, I should be the number one guy in this team. He's kind of not getting those those due accolades and they're just not clicking. Yeah. I think like um we've we've probably mentioned it on here before, I think, that Harry Kane definitely th- thought he was gone this season. Mm. And I guess it's hard to bounce back mentally from that and say, you know, and to really dig in and put in the hard yards to do well. Um I think people underestimate the like the value of your mentality at professional level. Like we've seen how often it works, like just a change of scenery, what that can do for a player's like confidence and growth um, and like just kind of unshackling a player that was in there. Uh, Donny van der Beek, for instance, you know, as one example, um, 
But yeah, so maybe Kane will. I think he'll probably get that move somewhere at the end of the season. I don't know if it's still going to be City. Maybe will be. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Where else could it be though? I don't reckon it'll be in England. It'll have to be. You think overseas. he'll go overseas? Yeah. You think? Oh, he can't even speak English. How's he going to speak another language? <laughs> Can you see him learning German? I reckon he'd, he'd do a better job at German than English. You reckon he, Dortmund, straight, straight swap for Haaland. Straight Haaland swap for Haaland. Well, you heard it here first, not shift football. Haaland to Spurs. Haaland <laughs> to Spurs. He's a Conte player, do you think? <laughs> uh, one oh, more yeah. thing. One more thing we'll talk about before we move on to uh, some some other stuff, unless you got another note on Spurs or Wolves or something like that. Well, I mean, we have put respect on Wolves' name previously, but these these guys are on the hunt for Europe and they're yeah. looking absolutely the real deal. Second fewest goals conceded in the league. You know, they've taken points off of Spurs, West Ham, Mank Red, uh, or they beat all of them, took points off of Chelsea. You know, last 24 points, they've grabbed 16 of them. This is a side that is firing on all cylinders and still maybe going under the radar as well. Yeah, they are. I didn't bring it up because, yeah, like everything you just said, we have we have touched on in the previous weeks because they've just been informed for a while now. They've really turned it around. And we hang up, we hung a lot of shit on them <laughs> in the season oh, for yeah. how bad they were uh, at the end of last season and the start of this season. But they, yeah, definitely turned it around. Um, last thing I want to talk about was in the Wolves game last week, we saw an interesting uh, refereeing decision that we don't really see too often mm-hmm. with Gabby Martinelli, the Arsenal forward, being sent off for two yellows in the same passage of play. How did you see this? I was, well, flummoxed to begin with. I didn't, because it's something that you never see, you're just wondering, has he actually, has he actually sent him off for two different fouls in the same? And I was trying to track back and think, was there a, a something earlier? Has he said something to him? But no, I just, I mean, there's, I think there's two parts to this. The first one, um, is that a yellow card? And if it is a foul on, on the guy taking the throw in, doesn't that make it a foul throw? And shouldn't that be the end of the sequence there? <laughs> I have a few ways I can go with this. <laughs> go. The first one is that uh, looking at it, uh, you, I could see how they are both yellow card offences and it could be a red. So not by any means upset. I do... I do wonder if that is like if the first one was worth a yellow or not. I don't know really what he. I guess he did try to impede the throw cynically. Mm-hmm. Um, another note, which is kind of unrelated to this incident, but <laughs> we are constantly hearing pundits and so talk about the letter of the law. I'm using quotation marks. Yeah, letter of the law. Um, yet we let goalkeepers hold the ball for 20 seconds and we let throw-ins be taken <laughs> however you like. True. Um, so, yeah, it could have been a foul throw also. Um, the other point is that this one is with my Arsenal glasses on as well. But I do think as much as Arsenal do dumb stuff here and there to get red cards, I do think some referees are like it's become like a subconscious thing and referees, it's, it's in their mind. Um, Arsenal are a red card team and referees are more happy to get it out. Um, I say that with, I don't know how much evidence I could possibly have that that's true, but it it does feel that way. But also I'm not upset with it. I, I, Martinelli was trying to be cynical twice. So And being cynical is a yellow card. 
Yeah, we did argue in the previous pod that we wanted to see professional fouls more heartily uh, ruled upon, and I guess maybe this is an example of this. Um, I mean, if you want to, if you want some stats for your red card thing, uh, that's yeah. the fourth red card for Arsenal in six games. Uh, yeah. Arteta's fifteenth red card in his Arsenal managerial career. Yeah, I don't, I don't put any of it down to Arteta because uh, this it's <laughs> how many of them come from like Xhaka being a dumbass. <laughs> Martinelli being, a, Martinelli being a dumbass on the last week. Gabriel was is probably one of those red cards as well recently. Mm-hmm. Also, two in the Manchester City game, two yellows yep. for MS being yellow. a dumbass. Um, yeah, so I just whatever. Yeah, it is a young team and it is led by an ill-disciplined captain. So I guess it kind of does make sense. Yeah, I, I just think, uh, oh, what were we gonna say? Nah, go on. You go. I was just going to take it out of this game and wonder if we're going to see any more double yellows in the same sequence. Um, I think of even the Aston Villa Newcastle game where Joel Linton fouls the same player three times in the space of seven seconds, basically. And you're wondering, okay, that is a yellow card offense then. And the second one that brings him down is a yellow card offense. So is that is it because it's on the same player? It's not. Yeah, I think it just caught us off guard, I guess, because you don't see a lot of referees do it. They tend to just give the one and it'll be a talking to. Uh, that's what makes me think the referee was probably really, I don't know, looking for it in a sense himself. But you could also argue it is worth to you. So I don't know. I don't know. We just don't see it very often. So it's, you know, it's hard to comprehend at the time. Yes. Would you want to see more of it? If it's there, I wouldn't want to go looking for it. Like we've said in previous weeks, the same with penalties. I don't want us to go, and the same with goals. Where we look at we look at goals scored through VAR. I don't want to get to this point where we're looking at everything and looking for reasons to send people off, or to rule out a goal, or to give a penalty. We don't need more of that in the game, you know. Yeah. Um, we just need the ones that are there and obvious called. So yeah, that's all yep. I got on that. Yeah, overall, it just felt like a single yellow for me, but I guess yeah. it is how it is. Uh, do we have? Do you have any other football you wanted to talk about before we go on to the midweek happenings coming up? Uh, no, I think we could probably roll. Uh, just maybe a couple of stats. Tammy Abraham is now the top English goal scorer in the five European uh, first divisions, which is crazy to think about, given he doesn't play in England. So, yeah, he's when having does that a, ever He's having an absolute cracking season with Roma. Um, good to watch. Under Mourinho, too. Yeah. Bizarre bedfellows, I think. But nonetheless, having a good season. And the uh, Catalan derby was really interesting as well. A couple of red cards. Barcelona dropping points again. Um, a last-minute equaliser from your man, Luke de Jong. <laughs> and my man, Adama Traore, with the equaliser. <laughs> Two guys that absolutely suck, both playing for Barcelona and saving them points. Dama Traore now has uh, the same amount of assists for Barca as he got in his previous two seasons in the Prem. He does. Uh, does that, is that an argument for the strength of La Liga versus Premier League? I don't know. Or is it just he's in a slightly better team? I don't know. I would go with the better team. I think it says more about um, yeah. <laughs> Wolves potentially. But hey, they're doing well without him. So He is also now the uh, now that he's in Spain... He is no longer Adama Traore. He is Adama Traore. Can we all say that? Can we all, if we can all say that together at home, if you're listening in your cars on your way to work, 
Really with the ray on the end. Yeah, interesting. There you go. It's a complete reinvention, Sammy. Uh, Since you touched on Spain, we'll just quickly touch on Germany. That gap is down, back down to six points because Dortmund won and Bayern lost. So it's kind of game on there, but probably not. Is it It, on? Probably not. In Italy, Inter and Napoli drew one all, which means Milan are now top because they won. But Inter still have a game in hand, so that's all heating up nicely. Juve dropped points again, so they've probably slipped a little further out of it again. But um, what ifs? Um, that's that's our European wrap this week. Not a lot to, you know, we're not going into it. Because coming up this week, everyone's favourite competition is back. I think everyone's favourite competition, it's 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 in the favourites. The I think US- it is. Yeah. I would just, um, there was, the Super Bowl was obviously on today. And then there was an interesting chat online about the even in Australia, the Super Bowl is like advertised as the biggest sporting event in the world. Yeah. And you think by what measure? Like the Champions League final, for example, absolutely trounces the viewership of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know why these things happen. Because we know that media in Australia doesn't like football. That's all yes. it is. That's Potentially. All it is. So yeah, UEFA Champions League coming up this week. Um, there is we'll get the crappy tie from when Wednesday's games out the way. Sporting host Manchester City, <laughs> the first leg of their tie. I think we're both pretty on board with City getting through this with ease. Yeah, are we are we being disrespectful to Sporting potentially? I, no, I don't. No, I don't think so. They should they should be good enough to. I mean, Sporting are a decent nick, but they should be good enough to roll roll this side i think i can't think of any any one of note out of sporting like, do you pay more attention to them than i do uh i think they're top of the portuguese league but don't mm. hold me to that i'm not ready i'm not ready to commit to that what i've just said don't hold me um i'm much more interested in this other game real madrid. <laughs> real madrid traveling to psg yes big one well what do you got uh, it's just a big one. No, <laughs> um, this is two sides, two sides absolutely dominating their their respective divisions. Um, maybe because the competition around them isn't so great, and so this is potentially the perfect tie outside of Sporting or maybe Salzburg. This is a really good tie for either or to um, pick up a major scalp on the way through to the next round. Yeah, definitely. I'm intrigued by some of these ideas, like. Uh... Mbappe to Real Madrid and like future transfers and things, how these guys are going to perform now against those clubs. Um, two sides that still have uh, Real Madrid don't score heaps of goals, um, but they're pretty defensively solid. Whereas PSG score lots of goals and they're not defensively, defensively solid. Um, I'm predicting Real Madrid to go through in this. Oh, yeah. With I think, the first yeah. league victory. Uh, I'm not sure about the first leg victory, but I think they're going to go through this tie. Um, I'm predicting Benzema to stand up and wallop, wallop PSG himself with a couple in both legs or something. I reckon he'll score one in Paris and then he'll get a double mm-hmm. at the Bernabeu. So lock that in. There you go. I think, yeah, I think you're, you're probably banking on Benzema scoring and, you know, you wouldn't be wouldn't be too too out of sight there. But last it says here last time... Um, PSG hosted Real Madrid in the Champions League September 2019. They beat them 3-0. And I wonder if they can jump. Like you said, they are very forward-focused and you know they're, 
they're, they're happy to throw things forward. If they can get a two, three goal advantage going, going back to Spain, that could be a really tough thing for Real Madrid to overcome. Because like you said, they don't score a bucket load of goals per game. Yeah, definitely. Agree with that. Um, I don't know how, I don't keep a close enough eye on PSG's squad each week who's playing and whatnot because I just don't care about them at all. But <laughs> we are potentially getting a Messi, Messi and Ramos versus Real Madrid. The stories, yeah, the stories tied in between the lines of this game are massive. Obviously, Ramos has returned, and then Will Messi is he? He scored an unfathomable amount of goals against Real Madrid in his career. Uh, just it's just primed for those two guys to really stand tall in this first leg and put them in an un- unassailable lead. I think I would have PSG winning this one personally. Fair enough. I'll I'll take Madrid. You take PSG. Done. All right. Do you want a six pack bet? No bets. Four-pack bet. No bets. No bets. bets. We're here for the game, Sam. We're professionals. Yep. We're not not here for our multis, here for our heroes. Thursday morning. Uh, Interesting tie of this one. FC Salzburg at home to Bayern Munich in the first leg. Uh, I think we're pretty on board with Bayern winning this one comfortably. But Salzburg can be tricky at home. I wonder, I mean, Bayern did drop points on the weekends because they did rotate in order for this, which probably points to, um, you know, their wariness against this side. They, you know, they've got talent. They're, they've got talented footballers in their ranks. Um, one yeah. who leads were chasing me- uh, mentally, um, what was his name? Aronson. Yeah. He looks, he looks like a wild footballer. Um, so this, you know, potential ba- uh, banana skin and playing away first always makes it tricky. Yeah, I think the rotation in Bayern's squad on the weekend also points to them absolutely blitzing these guys, <laughs> going yeah, yeah, going all out in Salzburg and blowing them away in the first leg. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, the other one, excellent game. I'm glad that this is on a different day to PSG Real Madrid, but Inter hosting Liverpool. Yeah, this is be massive. These are two brilliant teams. You know, in form. You know, Inter maybe slightly less consistent than Liverpool, but Liverpool are firing at the absolute peak of their powers right now. Um, I, I, I don't know how I'd call this first game, though, because the wiliness of uh, Inter Milan at home is something that you can't really combat in a footballing sense. It's going to be rowdy atmosphere. Um, Liverpool guys, you would probably have them down as better footballers, better team, but that's not how games are decided typically. I don't, I don't know if it's just me growing up as, a, like, as an AC Milan fan as a kid in a very Premier League-focused kind of culture, but there's always something to me big about uh, an Italian giant versus an English giant in the Champions League. Yeah, and I think that, I agree. Yeah, the atmosphere, the San Siro, um, just this inter-squad are just full of such gun, underrated players still. Um, and like you said, Liverpool, on the other hand, are just quality all over the park. So I, th- I think this is going to be an absolute cracker I think Liverpool potentially could be if both teams are at their best. I think Liverpool probably win both games, even away. Yeah, yep. that's just the difference in quality. Um, but mm. you know, I do enjoy watching this inter squad, and I hope they can make a good game of it. And I just hope, as a neutral, this is an absolute cracking tie. And by yeah. by neutral, I mean I hate Inter, but I want them to do well. <laughs> and you're also not that fond of Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> in the wake of the Italy England final, as well, obviously. Every time now an English team travels to Italy, there's going to be something a little bit extra added on their mind. Yeah, for sure. So looking forward 
to that one. Um, I don't know if you if you're interested in any of these games on Friday morning here. Uh, I mean, UEFA Europa League comes back. The only game of note really worth mentioning is the Barcelona versus Napoli. That's uh, like when you think about the context of both these teams and their seasons, that's a huge game to be played. It sounds like a game that should be played in the Champions League. I think it sounds like a game that should be played in the Champions League. And it, to me, says that both these teams would be looking to win this competition. I, I think anyway, they would both be looking to win it. So to be playing each other in these knockout rounds this earlier, it's also a, it's not a round of 16 in the Europa League. It's a round of 32 as well. So, oh, um, Jesus. Yeah, work to be done. Work to be done. Yeah, they would be spewing to have to match up against one another. But you think about it in a positive sense, if you knock them out, there's one less hurdle to the final because this um, really, the, the state of the competition isn't uh, overly strong. You would think either one would win it. I've made that up, by the way. It is a round of 16. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I always thought the UEFA Cup had a round of 32, then 16. So and did I. Refined it. I think they refined it when they changed the name. Yeah, um, and with like the the conference league coming in, so I, I don't know. We don't know what we're talking about. We're just a bunch of dickheads on the internet. <laughs> but no one, no one cares if we know what we're talking about. That's the thing. Yeah, in their minds, they know the correct answer. On that note, we'll probably leave it there for this week. Um, <laughs> it's perfect. It's the absolute magnanimous way to go. That'll do. If you want to hear some chat about Adelaide United and the A-League in general, check out 53.1. That'll be up as well. Don't forget that. Um, we can talk about how crappy Adelaide seemed to be, but still get results again. It's still good somehow. Ciao. Preach.